The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. try with the mic to see if it's going to work. And so far, so good. You may be seated. And uh, <clears throat> great to be here in Abilene. Who sung Abilene? Who was it? Abilene. What, who sang that? Yeah. So Abilene's quite famous. Uh, just turn the voice. We're just going to get hooked up here. And she knew exactly what I needed, but just the volume down a little bit. That's, that's wonderful. Um, I, you know, when I first met uh, your pastor, um, it was a, uh, I met him in the sanctuary of a church, and then I, I, was, I came back, he invited me back to the church, and at that meeting, it was like, I don't know how you describe it, kind of like bro love. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you know what I mean by that? It was kind of like the connection was made in the Holy Spirit, and I knew that we were connected for life, uh, him and Ash and the family. And uh, it was actually a long, long time before um, it was ever confessed uh, to each other that that dynamic uh, was, was there. I knew it, it's just that he was a trifle slow. Hallelujah. But he got there in the end. And it's an absolute honor to be part of the family. We, uh, Kathy and I absolutely love these two. We talk about them often at home. And um, uh, we just think they're, they're very blessed to have such a great pastor and a great pastor's wife. Um, you, I'm not a, just a father of Preston, but I'm also a father of Ashley. And uh, we take that uh, very seriously. There's something about in the realm of the spirit that when two people, uh, there's, a, there's an, a, an emergence of anointings and DNA, and I don't have to be here to have an effect because there's so much being imparted into them over the years that, that I, I, it's hard to explain, uh, but it's, it's, it's awesome and amazing. Now, there is a light up there that's annoying the absolute tar out of me. Could we just dim, dim that light, that one there? That one. Could we dim that? Dim it? Thank you. That's enough. So I can just see my Bible. Now I've got starry eyes in me. Hallelujah. Turn around to somebody and say, this is going to be a great week. Now, just turn me up on the mic just a little bit, my brother. Oi. Over here, could you just turn the mic up just a little bit for me? Thank you. Now tonight, this morning, that's better. This morning, I'm going to share what I believe God is saying to this church. And, uh, and I'm not going to pray for people this morning, but I, there will be laying on of hands Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and we're believing God for, for, for miracles. We're believing God for things to pop, things to happen, right? Uh, everywhere Jesus went, things popped. And sometimes they popped not like what they wanted, but they popped anyhow. Because Jesus, he, he had his own mind on things. But I was in a, a group, a discipleship group in Oklahoma City not long ago. You know, time sort of flies. I don't know where we are and what we're doing half the time, but... I was in Oklahoma City for sure in this gathering of people uh, called No Excuses. And uh, we began to see miracles. I mean, they, they, it was like a suddenly of miracles and people were getting miracles. And according to Facebook, they woke up with the same miracle still there. So we're believing God for great things to happen. But here's the kicker today. Right, right now, what I'm about to share over the next few, few nights is going to be very provoking and very challenging for this church. Now, I can come in here and pick message number 25B 
and, and have you loving the message, a, a feel-good message. But I believe, and I, I'm, I'm going to say this today, uh, before I start this, that I said to, to pastor, do not talk to me about this church. I don't want to know about this church. I don't, I don't want to know what you're thinking, what you've been saying. I, I don't care about that. What I want to hear is what God is saying about this church. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't want to come in here with an agenda. Or could we, Now, could we just turn this one down a bit, please? Because I'm, I'm going to, otherwise they're not going to have me walking over there. It's going to be dark in here in a minute. I know, but that's how I like it. Aren't I a fussy preacher? What's with this Australian guy? My God, and, he, and he's married. How's, how's his wife handle this guy? I don't like the lights. Turn the lights down, the TV down. Anyway, so I'm going to, I'm going to be sharing a scripture and I'm sort, of, I'm sort of being a little cautious before I get, I'm trying to loosen you up first and have you like me. But, I, but I'm going to really hit you today. And I'm going to hit you tonight and Monday night and Tuesday night because I believe this church is in a crossroads. Everybody go like this. You're in a crossroads. You really are in a crossroads. Hallelujah. Now, the reason why we canceled Wednesday night was because on Thursday morning, I fly out to New York for Easter. And uh, they are going on some bus trip to some, I don't know how to describe it, but like a Jesus show. I, I don't know what that means, but they've got about three coaches taking the church out to, these, to this thing about four hours away. So if I'd flown in on Friday as arranged, there'd be no one there to pick me up. And walking two hours north of New York was not my cup of tea. And so the only time they would be able to pick me up was on a Thursday. So hence something had to go and it was the Wednesday night meeting. And I apologize because I really do like, I like to be able to take my time and unwind over a few days. All right. So let's just turn to a scripture today. I want us to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, sis, just come down a little bit on the volume again. Have, we, have you got a seat or something? Are you going to just stand like that? Oh, God, I pray for those legs in the name of Jesus and her hands. All right, verse 1 of chapter 3. But understand this, that in the last days will come perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self, utterly self-centered, lovers of money, and aroused by inordinate, greedy desire for wealth, proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. They will be without natural human affection, callous and inhuman, relentless, omitting of no truce or appeasement. They will be slanderous, false accusers, troublemakers, in temperament, loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled and fierce and haters of good. The reason why the enemy is stirring up haters of good, because good is so powerful. Good is a force. Anything that's good in this world, let me say this, anything that's good, it doesn't have to be divine, but anything that is good in the world is so opposite to the enemy that everything that's good originates from God. Hallelujah. That's why most men have Chevys. Because Chevy is good. All those Chevy owners say, Chev is good. And Ford come from the pit of hell in the name of Jesus. My God, this is an inspiring word already. Verse 4. They will be treacherous, betrayers, rash, and inflated with self-conceit. 
They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than and rather than lovers of God. For although they hold a form of piety and true religion, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. Their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. Avoid all such people and turn away from them. When I was a kid, I would read that scripture out of 2 Timothy and thought not even in my lifetime would I see that word come to pass. And now we are living in a world that seems it's gone off its rocker. We are living in crazy times. The Bible describes some perilous times, times of great stress. And we're living in times of great stress. We have North Korea. We have, um, what's his name? Hong Kong Tung. What's the guy's name there? I'm not sure. The guy with the haircut. Anyway, a little fat man. So we've got, we've got him breathing out, breathing out uh, our, um, our threats to Trump. So what I like about Trump, Trump come right back at him. Hallelujah. Say, careful, uh, short man, fat man. We're after you. Hallelujah. I like that fighting spirit. And now he's backed off and now he wants to talk to Trump. But you know what could be a, a trick as well. Now we've got Putin who boasts about some nuclear warhead or nuclear uh, uh, um, rocket that is so fast you can't knock it out. We've got, we've got the world now um, um, posturing themselves against one another. Who's the more powerful? We've got America um, spending a, enormous amounts of money to, to build their, their military. But that's also happening in other countries. It's happening in our country. The world's crazy and we are living in this perilous times of great stress. But, but where sin abounds, grace does more abound. Hallelujah. I'm actually living in something that as a child, when I read that word, I'm living now in the reality of that scripture. And when you live in the reality of that scripture, it's talking about the type of people that we have to confront. And they're not very nice people, mate. Hallelujah. So that puts a responsibility on the house of God not to be this and not to reflect this. So here's what I'm feeling about this church. And if the scribes in the church, you can may take this down. But I'm going, I'm going to address a whole lot of things. Not just this morning, but the subsequent meetings. I believe the church is in a transition. I believe the church is in a, is in a, in a crossroads. Many of you are in a crossroads... Many of you are uh, what I would class is a stagnant pool. I told you it would get bad in here this morning, didn't I? A stagnant pool means that you have been locked into a, you are stuck in a lifestyle or stuck in a mode of thought and because you haven't moved on, see, transition, when we talk about transition, we talk about pain. When we talk about transition, we talk about crises. Because you cannot have transition without crises. You can't, when you're transitioning from one place to another place. Can I be really blunt? Because I've not talked to Preston about this at all. So I'm, I'm flying off, off, the, off my cuff and, and bringing what I think the church needs to hear. But I believe you have been locked into a season too long and God is wanting to shift you out of the season you're in into, and for you to embrace the next season that he has for you. Some have retreated because you've heard the voice of God about coming out of the season you're in to embrace the season that you're going to, but because of the conflict, you've thought that can't be the voice of God. Just because it's the Word of God does not mean that we have to embrace comfort in everything God tells us to do. When I first came to America 24 years, 25 years ago, there was a cost. 
Everything with God costs you something. They've been making, the prophets in America have been making this prophetic utterance. They've been saying that when Billy Graham died, the last of the generals, when he died, that there would be a great awakening come to, coming to America. And, and the thing is, I believe that. I believe there was something significant in, significant in the death of Billy Graham that when he died, it would release something in the realm of the Spirit that was going to sweep the nation of America. But when, when we talk about a mighty awakening and we talk about a revival, we're talking about change, transformation, transition. And I believe this, I believe God is going to shake up everything in this church. Hallelujah. But it's a shake up to shake out and to shake forward. God's about to bring some of you who have sat on gifts for years for years, you have sat on gifts. Your gifts are in a stagnant pool. God is going to shake those gifts, and you're going to feel a resurgence of the call of God upon your life in this next season. And the reason why some of you have felt, I don't know how to describe this. It's certainly not scriptural the way I'm going to describe it, but you've just felt blur. Everybody go, blur. There's nothing worse than to be blah as a Christian. Or another word is duh. No one wants to be blah or duh as a Christian. And season change is always difficult. Season change challenges us. It challenges our paradigms. It changes our thought patterns. It changes our thinking. But unless... God is a God of movement and he wants to visit the stagnant pools in your life and the ripple is going to start this week. I promise you the ripple of those stagnant pools in your life is going to start this week. Glory to God. God's got plans for this place. And I'm not talking about buildings. I'm not talking about bricks and mortar because transition, even if you were to leave this place and go to another church, the problem is that doesn't get rid of the transition because this transition is internal, not external. I mean, you take your sorry self wherever you go. Glory to God, I don't like this church. So go and join another church and bless that pastor with yourself. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and so whenever we come to a transition change or a season change, it places us in a very uncomfortable position. It places us at a crossroads. One pastor described to me in Savannah, and I was there just recently, one, one pastor said this, he said, I'm like this. He said, when I put my foot down, I'm, not, I'm unsure of ground, but he said, as I put my foot forward, ground comes up to meet my foot. Now, that's a very difficult position to be in because vision means that you see in front of yourself. But in transition many times and a season change, you can't see the front. You can only see a momentary, every step, that's all you can see is the steps. And we comfort ourselves with the scripture that says the steps of, actually in the original it doesn't say good man. The steps of a man are ordered by the Lord. And if we mess up and goof up, he makes those things, bad things, he turns them into good. God invades the bad things in our life and the failures in our life with goodness and changes them and makes them beneficial instead of destructive if we love God. So some of the conflict that some people have gone through and are going through is because God is saying to you, the season that you're in, I'm about to take you out of. If you fight me on it, you're going to have conflict. We are in perilous times of great stress, things hard to bear. I believe we are living, absolutely living in the last of the last days. 
There is lots to be done for the church. And the church has got to be opposite to what I've just read out here in 2 Timothy. The problem is we've got some of this in the church. Hallelujah. Now, see, I'm not getting too too many amens this morning. He's looking at me like a, a calf standing in front of a new gate. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you something. Either I come in here and deliver the word of the Lord, or I'm just playing church and just being a blow-in and a blow-out. I'm not a blow-in, blow-up, and blow-out kind of a guy. And because I'm in relationship with them, because of that, then, then, I have a, then I'm really concerned about the church that they pastor. Hello, am I speaking to anybody this morning? Am I in a Presbyterian church? Are we all right? Glory to God. So we, we are living in a reckless, evil world. And I've written down some notes here, but there is an awakening coming. The problem with a move of God and an awakening is that an awakening will cost you everything. People say, what's the price of revival? Just your life. And some of you in this place are not used to paying a price. You're not used to paying the cost. Well, there's going to be a cost in this next season. But when you embrace the cost, see, I look at it this way. If that door, look at that door over there. If that door represents the entrance into my next season, what I'm going to find written on that door is this. I'm going to find, I'm going to read this. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. That's what I'm going to find. Because when we confront the door of our next season, that's what we're going to see. Deny yourself, and it's hard to deny ourselves in a nation that's not used to hearing that. Because we are in a nation now where we have what we, what we, what we call the emerging church. Now, the emerging church are men that are coming up today, trimming off services to 50 minutes max, Never talk about the cross. Never talk about the blood of Jesus. Never talk about the dealings of God. And as long as the whole congregation is happy, 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 and everybody's grinning, and everybody's saying, the joy of the Lord is my strength, everybody's happy, and everybody comes to church, and they're packing him in by the thousands because people like that kind of preaching. But there is coming a move of God that's going to sweep over the nation of America. And I'm telling you something, it's going to be a move of God of profound demonstration. It's going to be a move of God of holiness. God is going to require a level of holiness, something that we've never seen before. The Bible says, be holy as he is holy. That's a pretty high holy. That's a pretty high level of holiness. I found this, if I will not move from one season to the next season, the middle road is very frustrating. If I drag my feet, what God will do many times is allow adversity to prize you loose of the season that you're trying to hold on to. When God brings us into a season... He gives you grace. What is grace? Grace is not a license to sin. Grace in the Bible's strictest terms means an enablement from God to do the will of God. That's grace. So when God God takes, wants to get you out of an old season, He takes the grace that He gave you to navigate through the season that you've been in. He withdraws the grace. And all of a sudden you think, what has happened to this? What's happened to my life? This thing's gone crazy. It's because you don't have a grace. And what happens now, 
that in the season that you're going to come into, God has grace, God has finances, God has new relationships, God has joy, unspeakable and full of glory, but you're still going to have to walk through the door of deny yourself, take up the cross and follow Him. It's not the cross of Christ, it's no other cross but your personal cross. I stand before, I wrote a, a I'm being sharing some personal stuff now, and I hope you don't mind. But, but I text my wife to say, uh, today. She's back in Australia. But she, I said to her, I am missing you and I long for you. That's, that's the text she's going to wake up this morning to see. And it just hit me in the hotel room today just how much of a cost and a price. I would have been away from Kathy and my family for seven weeks by the time I get home. So there is a cost, but it's just not me paying it, they're paying it as well. My family is paying for it as well. But if I want to embrace the will of God, I've got to pay the price. Sometimes you've just got to do the hard thing to embrace the easy thing. Sometimes you've just got to get and do it. And I'm telling you something because what I do normally with Kathy, I stand at my garage door in the morning and I wait for the shuttle to pick me up to take me to the airport. She always picks me up, but the shuttle picks me up and it's always that, that, that moment. And not this time, but the last time I did that, I was standing there, got to the shuttle and Kathy said, she said, honey, come back. And I went back and she embraced me and kissed me at the front of the garage. There's a cost. But it's if I don't pay the cost, staying in a season that God wants to shift me out of is worse than saying goodbye to my wife for seven weeks. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, tongues. Sorry. You speak in tongues in this church, right? I want to be exactly where God wants me to be. But I can't, I can't stay in a season that's not graced. If, because if I stay in a season that's not graced, then I have to maintain it. But when I go from one season and embrace the next season, I embrace the next season that God will take care of. Hallelujah. We may have no one back tonight. I might be just preaching to you all. But I believe this is a very serious moment that God has sent me into your lives for. And some of you have had conflict and you've wondered, why have I got conflict? Why, why this trouble that I'm feeling? Why is it that things are just don't seem certain anymore? They're that way because God wants to shift you out of one realm and take you into another realm. And the thing is, He's disturbing you, so you're disturbed enough to leave where you're at and move into the season that God wants you to move into. And I'm not talking about geographical, I'm talking about internally. I believe there's seasonal change individually here, but I also believe there's a, a corporate seasonal change that God's going to bring you in, into. It's not enough just to be a church as a church. You have to be about the business of, of heaven, and you're going to have to start to change some paradigms and begin to move into some, 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 some things that are going to affect Abilene. You can't think in terms of just you. You have to think in terms, God wants Abilene. God wants you, but he also wants you to take what he's given you into the district that you live in and begin to constructively think, how am I going to reach this city for God? It's not enough to treat this church like Starbucks. Wow, this guy's speaking hot fire today. My God, I didn't expect to come here and hear that this morning because I thought Nigel was a funny guy. I thought we were going to have some fun in the house of God today. I didn't expect this. 
there will be a major shift, <coughs> a major transition in this church. The grace given you for the season won't be enough for the season coming. There is a greater grace in the season that you're going to embrace. And I wrote down here, there needs to be a new level of holy. The Bible says, be holy as he is holy. That means forgiving of offenses. If we don't release forgiveness, unforgiveness embitters the soul. I've never known a group of people so unforgiving as the church. I have met people in the world that would forgive on a dime. But the church won't. So if we're going to embrace holiness, what is holiness? Holiness is, 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 is godly conduct when no one's looking. Godly conduct when no one's watching you. Godly conduct, the same conduct that you have in your house when no one's looking at you as you would have in a public arena like this. And the reason why God wants you holy, I mean really consecrated and set apart for His use is because the next season has its own demons. Whenever God takes you into a season, it's always multiplied. But when you go through there, you'll meet a grace that you haven't seen in a while. And you need the grace for the warfare for the next season. Write this down. Every season has warfare in it. New levels, the old Pentecostal saying, new levels, new devils. New levels, new devils. You have to like fighting to be a Christian. If you don't like fighting, you should have become a Buddha. This is a fight. I talked to a guy yesterday, a protege of Steve Hill taking a church of 700 somewhere out in Florida. But he said to me, I said, you know, Daniel, we need, to, we need to love the fight. You need to have a stomach for war in this. This is warfare. We are fighting a war. We are fighting things we cannot see. One thing to fight, you know, when I was, before I got saved, and then when I did get saved, I still had some difficulty, but... Definitely, before I was saved, if there was conflict, I usually, I, I was a great misuse before I was saved. Bang, that did it. And then we'd have a little talk afterwards when I've softened them up a little bit, right? And even when I got saved, that sort of stayed with me for a bit until I got sanctified. But we're now fighting things we cannot see. Spiritual powers that we're, that we're having to have stand in unarmed combat with in the realm of the Spirit. But there are people in this place that you are gifted and you've carried the gift for years. You're gifted, but you're stagnant. And what God is releasing me to do is to bring ripples to the stagnant pools in your life. The church is in a transition. And I wrote down, and I've already covered this, but, but running from church to church won't help because the transition God is bringing is internal and you're having to handle this on the inside. As, as you get older, it's hard to transition. I remember when I first came over here, I was in my early 40s, and, and I found it easy coming over here. I mean, I was excited, and, and we, uh, I walked straight into a massive national move of God, packed houses, all kinds of things going on. And come the September, I, I will celebrate my 72nd birthday. So transitioning for me, and let me tell you something about my own personal life. I'm there. I'm here as well as you are. I believe I'm in transition. 
I said to somebody the other day, I've, I've tried to manufacture prophetic words. I rang a guy. Anybody heard of Hank Kuhneman? Anybody heard of Hank Kuhneman? No? Hank Kuhneman's an amazing prophet. Well, I, I'm on a board. I'm on an apostolic board of Heartland, Heartland, um, Heartland Church, Steve Hill's old church in Dallas. And uh, there's a guy called Doc Remedius who's an ortho, uh, sorry, a cardio guy, expert, uh, professor or something. And then uh, myself and a guy called Hank Kuhneman. And Hank is a, a public, he is a, a national prophet. And uh, so I, the senior pastor of this church, I said, hey, listen, can you just give Hank a ring for me? Just call him on the phone. And he said, why? I said, just tell him that old Nige here from Australia would like a, a word. Remember Joseph did that when he was in prison. Listen, if you're talking to the king, get me out of here, right? So but you can't manufacture it. So, so the duration that you spend in between seasons is up to God, and so you must be in a place of readiness to move at any time. You watch other gifted men Yet the Spirit of God tells me, you watch other gifted men, but you also carry a gift that God wants to resurrect out of your life and use that gift. Hallelujah. Turn around to somebody and say, I think I'll be back tonight. Glory to God. God is trying to birth you into your next season. That's why there's pain, crises, in trouble. God is birthing your ministry. Write this down. Labor proceeds birth. And all the women said. When you are big with child and you're lying in hospital and you are in labor pains, and you're screaming at the top of your lungs, not because of the pain, because of your nutty husband telling you, there, there, darling, it'll be all right. <laughs> Glory to God, right? And then when they turn around and say, honey, I understand what you're going through. Trust me, you do not know what they're going through. But I sense a maternity ward here. This is a maternity ward. And God's wanting to birth things out of you that have been dormant, that he gave you years ago. God's wanting you to be in the maternity ward. This is a maternity ward, and he wants you in the birth position. God, I believe God's coming to a place. He's going to challenge everything that you hold dear to in this church. Going to make you rethink things. Glory be to Jesus. Glory be to Jesus. You need to be in a birth position. What is a birth position? A birth position is prayer, anticipation, waiting, and looking to the Word of God. It is prayer anticipation, waiting, and looking to the Word of God. Why? Because God is about to purify motives. I don't serve God. I don't preach. I don't do what I do to build my own kingdom. I do what I do to build His kingdom. And I pray that God give you a burden for the kingdom of God, not, ju not just for champions. This should be a place you come in, get refreshed, and go out. I'm going to be talking about some things in this next few days. I believe I'm here to, to prophetically speak into the life of the church. It will be uncomfortable. I will say things that will be uncomfortable. But my God, do you want to just hear things that are going to stroke your fur? God, that ain't going to do you no good. I like what someone came up to D.L. Moody, the famous... D.L. Moody and said, D.L. Moody, 
you, you turn, you, what, what did he say? You turned my fur up the wrong way. And he turned around and said, lady, turn your cat around. Glory to God. Not everything that you hear from the pulpit is going to be pleasant. But if you adhere to it and listen to it and receive it and take it into your spirit, you will walk through that door and think you've died and gone to heaven for God's sake. There is no such thing as embracing anything that God wants to bring you into without pain. And many of us interpret conflict as not the will of God. Surely God wouldn't bring me into a place like this and I have to fight for it. Hallelujah. In fact, when you look at young David, King David, the Israelites were standing and listening to Goliath breathe out threats. One man terrorizing an entire group or an entire army and David, who was a stripling of a guy, coming off the, off the fields from, from tending his father's uh, flock, comes in and, and makes a statement. And I guess the older brothers would have thought, oh, that's just youth talking. But he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What they didn't realize that he was under the unction of the Holy Ghost. You see, when you're under the unction of the Holy Ghost, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, whether you're, whether you're 70, 80. See, and, and this is it. Because I'm the age I'm at, please don't throw me the old card and say, this is for young people, this is not for old people. Excuse me? Well, I'm just getting, I bought my plot. And I go, you know, I keep it nice and I just trim the edges of the grass. And my, 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 my mother-in-law, she's now gone to be with Jesus, but my mother-in-law, because I come from Sicilian, I come from, a, you know, uh, my wife's Italian. So when you marry an Italian, you marry Italy. <laughs> Glory to God. I've got relations I've never met. They run everywhere. What I love about the Italians, though, they're very passionate people, similar to Hispanics, I guess, but they're very passionate people. But in, in the Italy, in Italian culture, when you're with them and a group of them, they all yell at each other. And I thought that when I first got into the family, I thought, my, this is an angry family. Everyone hollering and shouting at each other. But that was their normal mode of communication. I had to learn they weren't being antagonistic. They were just being pleasant to each other. I thought, boy, what a weird mob these people turn out to be. Right? So, so, so don't hand me the old card and say, well, listen, I'm 65. Oh, that's what she said to me. The mother-in-law said, Nagela, because very few Italians can actually pronounce my name adequately. I found that out. It's either Nagela. Or sometimes they call me Angela, which means angel, and I can really see the resemblance, you know. I can. I'm, well, I used to have wings, but the backbite has bit them off. Hallelujah. But, but seriously, so Nagela or Angela, uh, would you please take me and, and Katarina, that's my wife, Kathy, uh, I want to show you my grave. So, of course, the Italians are fascinated with death. And so I said, okay, let's spend a pleasant afternoon looking at graves. So we go down to the graveyard, and I'm looking at the tombstone. If you go to an Italian graveyard, it looks like a city, because each family tries to outdo the other family, and they have big things, and whatever. And so anyway, I, she said, you know, uh, I don't know why I like this. And I said, why do you like this? Glory to God. You end up like them. And uh, why do you like this? She said, I like it because I like it of you. I like it at trees. Glory to God. I said, honey, where you're going, you'll never see those kind of trees. You're not, this is not a view you're going to enjoy. And I'll never enjoy it because I won't come back here. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's got to be more than death in our life. 
And something we get in the older section of the church, we get into a mindset when we get older, we become old in our mind, and the fact is that purpose evades us because we've become old in our mind and we become settled. But, but for God's sake, you know, when you're older, you've got some wisdom. Well, we hope so. That the young people don't have. They've got the energy, but we know the way and we have the wisdom. So, really, father and son in this race should run together. Oh, glory to God. I was going to jump up on the chair then, because this is one of my favorite things to do. Jump, jump up on a chair. And, and, uh, but I, I'm, I'm a bit gun shy because I, last year I did this in Oklahoma and the chair flew out from underneath me. Glory to God, it hit out the front door, like this. I went, I went over, landed on my back, and, and everyone goes, <gasps> and, and so I'm in absolute agony. I pick myself up and, you know, try to be tough. Glory to God, oh, yes, I can handle any form. Glory to God, I'm a train commando. Hallelujah, yes, glory to God. But I was hurting like mad, and when people started to laugh at me, I'm getting really mad at them. Glory to God, I wanted sympathy. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. There, there is an Italian man. My, I go, I, I jog. When I'm home, I jog, power walk and jog for about six miles a day. And so as I, there's a guy that comes, he's an Italian guy, barely understand, but he, he also walks. And his name's Romano. And he came up to me. The last time before I left to come away, he said this to me. He said, Anagela. See, there I go again. You see, no matter who you meet, what family, they, can't, they don't know what this is. And some, most times he tries not to call me by name because he can't manage it. He said, Nigel, how do you look yourself good? That's what he said to me. I'm not lying. I know it. I don't look that good to you. But to him, <laughs> and I said, Romano, I said, because he knows I'm a preacher. I said, the thing that keeps me where I'm at today is purpose. I've got purpose in my life. I don't exist. I've got purpose. I've got direction. Even when I'm in between seasons, I've got direction to be in the between season. And so the older you get, the harder it is to embrace something that you never embraced before. But God is putting pressure on the older generation, in fact, there was a prophetic utterance that came out from either Rick Joyner or one of those. He said, there's going to be a resurgence of the purpose of God and the call of God on our older community. He's going to quicken their flesh, quicken their body, and they're going to do things unlike they've ever seen uh, done before in their life. And people are going to be saying to them, listen, you need to just take, settle down and just be old. In the young people, there is such pressure. There is such pressure from your peers to be like them. The problem is to be like them is to be anti-Christ. And God wants to take you from being anti-Christ and with Christ. God is looking for energy. He's looking for the young people to run and not be weary, to walk and not faint. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. So here's a question I want to make this church. A question that you need to consider over the next few days. God wants you to make a resolve. Have you made a resolve to embrace your next season? Or have you settled in a season that you know you have no grace for, but it's too comfortable for you to leave? Being stuck in an old season brings its own frustration. Sometimes God, if you won't budge and if you won't move, God will use an enemy, an enemy to push you into the next season. Write this down. You will learn more from your enemies than you ever will your friends.
Moses comes into the life of Israel, goes before Pharaoh, tells Pharaoh, let my people go. God gets Pharaoh so frustrated with Israel that that Egypt give up their wealth and Israel left with gold and silver. They left, they stripped, almost stripped Egypt bare. They get to the Red Sea so, so they leave one season of bondage, which they had been there for 400 years. One season of bondage, God sends a man to lift them out of the season that they're in and brings them to the Red Sea, which is an in-between from that season to the next season. God will always send something or a circumstance or a man to tell you The season you're in is about to finish, if not finished already. So Moses whips them out of Egypt. He takes them towards the Red Sea. They looked up and saw the enemy that they had left chasing them. So now they're caught between a Rock and a hard place. A rock and a hard place. It's amazing in church life, when you're looking at church life, people grumble and they complain against the leadership when they are in a crossroads in their life and they'll grumble against the leadership like it's his fault. So they start to complain, why did you bring us out of Egypt? At least in that old season, we knew how to handle the old season because we've been in there for years. Why did you take us out of this into, with our families and everything else into a season that we have no understanding and now we come out of the season and these people we left are after us? And I heard, I don't know how true this is in history, there were thousands of the Egyptians after Israel. They had reason to be afraid. Then God started to do some supernatural stuff that was quite freaky anyhow. Neither Israel or Egypt could see each other. Then the Red Sea parts, and they go across. They walk through the door. But the journey from the season to the door didn't look too good. They were being pursued. They had a leader, and it was interesting what the leader, I'm going to bring this to a close. It's interesting what the leader said. He said, he prophesied, and he said, the Egyptians you see today, you will not see tomorrow. Glory to God. I want to say this. There are some Egyptians you will never see again. But there are some Egyptians you will have to fight again and defeat again. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says, He trains my hands for war. He trains my hands for war. So now we're in a time. I believe God's going to bring this church into its purpose. I'm going to make a bold statement here. I don't believe this church has discovered their purpose yet. But you're going to. And you can reject what I've said today. And you can say, well, I don't believe anything you have said. It doesn't matter really. Because that's what you're going to go through anyway, whether you believe me or not. But if you make the change... If you make the change. When I was in Australia, was when God spoke to me about coming to America in the early 90s. I was in my 40s, early 40s. And the Lord spoke to me. And how He spoke to me, He sent a man. My wife and I were sitting in a a meeting of a a visiting preacher from New York. And we're sitting in the very back row. 
And as I walked out of the church with Kathy, he said to me, are you Nigel McNeil? And I said, yes, I am. He said, would you be so kind to come to, I'm leaving for New York tomorrow. Would you be so kind to come to the airport and talk to me? I said, sure. So Kathy and I go home and we're wondering, what is this? And if I reflect back to that time, I was really unhappy. I had no purpose in life. I felt like I wasn't one or the other. But God sent a man into my life. A, pro a, a prophetic voice. When I got to the airport, he said to me, he said, God gave me a dream in America about you and two others. He said, have you ever considered going to America? I said, I did years ago, and I came for about five weeks, but it was such a disaster, I vowed I'd never come back to this country ever again. How stupid can you be and still breathe? Right? But I made that vow. And he said, well, I believe God wants you to come to America. He said, would you come over for a month and spy out the land? This was 25 years ago. And I said, yes, I will. I said, I can't afford to come, though. I haven't got any money. He said, no worries. He said, I'll send the tickets by courier. So three months went by. And I said to Kathy, I said, he was, he's, all, he's all smoke and, light and, and uh, lights. He didn't mean anything. Then, then one day there was a knock at the door. And I opened the door and DL, DH, uh, DL, DHL Curious, International Curious, they were at the door. And, and he said, are you Nigel McNeil? And I said, yes. He said, sign here. So I signed there, opened it up, and it was the tickets to New York and America. I remember getting on a United jet. I'd never get on another United jet in all my life, but I, was, I did that day. I got on the United jet, and as it taxied down the runway, I'm telling you something, I didn't know what I was going to walk into. But had I not moved, the pool that I was in was stagnant, and stagnant things stink. And as we flew down, the, as we come down the tarmac and the jets came back and I was pushed back into my seat, I made this statement rather feebly, but I said, we are off to our destiny. Little did I know that I'd be used in the most powerful way through the 90s into an outpouring of the Spirit of God an awakening in the United States, beginning in the state of Minnesota. You just have no concept. When I'm talking this way, when I'm trying to shake you up a little bit, I'm trying to inspire you that the next season is going to be amazing. So we came over to New York. At the same time, that was on a Friday, I think, on the, on the same, that Friday, God speaks to a prophetess in Vermont and says, there are two foreigners that I want you to go to, which is about a six-hour drive, drive up to, and I want you to prophesy over these two foreigners. She knew the pastor. So she gets in the car without fanfare. She drives up to this place in uh, north of New York. She walks into the pastor's office, and she said, you're the two. And when we got into the meeting, she prophesied over me first. I fell to my knees weeping. And Kathy followed. Little did we know when we left our home that we were going to see the most dramatic change to our life ever. We spent a month. I met Rodney Howard Brown there. And... Uh, he said to me, Nigel, you need to come on the road. He began to tell me how to come on the road. 
we went back to us we went back to Australia because we still had our boys there went back to Australia and guess what happened we fought like cats and dogs because she said how can I trust you and this this is what she said to me she said you've been wrong before so now I'm fighting history right so what about the prophetic word? She said, anybody can prophesy. And then I thought, yeah, they can too. And I'm, I began to doubt. And then after about a month, I said, we've got to do this. She said, well, the responsibility and onus is on you. It's hard for a woman. So she, she, what she did, she worked in, 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 in a shopping mall in the food court. She... she um, she cleaned the tables and, and collected food and put it in the trash and she was doing double shifts to pay for me to get to America. And when I, when I finally jumped on the plane and came to America, there was a promise of only three meetings ahead. I was away about three weeks. Her sister told Kathy, Nigel's done a runner. So we, we had family support, right? We got over here she, I, by a miracle because I arrived here with $150 US in my pocket to launch an international ministry. Sometimes you've got to hear the voice of God stronger than the circumstances that you're confronting in your next season. Can you give me five more minutes? So... What was really depressing for Kathy, which made her uneasy with me, was I got over to New York and it was winter. And they put me in a, a four-storied house and I was in the basement. And it was freezing cold. I was sitting around a fire. And the two churches, I had three churches. But I told everybody, including Kathy, we're going to be over here for five months. Because the call of God was so strong to get into the next season that I didn't consider the possibility that it could all fail. And she rang me. She said, how are you? I said, well, I'm not very good. I'm a bit depressed, actually. Amazing, because when God calls you, oftentimes he sends an angel called the angel of anesthetics. Yay, come to America, the angel. Let's go. But that wore off. And now I'm, I'm only joking. And now I'm in the middle of this, I'm down in this basement. And she said to me, we have given away all our furniture and you tell me you're depressed. <laughs> she said, I'm living, the only, the only accommodation I could get for her and the two boys was with a woman who was mad. She is, we got a saying, of, she's gone troppo. So she's living with this weird woman. And, 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 and I said, well, I, I, you know, I don't, want, I don't really want to say this, but I may have missed this. And I'm not telling you what she said on the other end of the phone, but I thought, I'm getting out of this. And I put the phone down. And I never talked to her for three, three weeks. Because I thought, I've got to get my head around this. I can't ring her again until I'm pumping and jumping. And I was pumping and not jumping. I went to a place called Thief River Falls. My season began, it ended in Australia, and it began at, at Thief River Falls, just below the Canadian border. I went up there. I'd driven 36 hours to get there. The guy hands me a microphone, and he says, God's using you to reach Minnesota with the glory of God. And hands me a microphone, and I'm exhausted, and I'm standing there with a microphone in my new season, which actually didn't look very good. <laughs> and I'm standing there thinking, I don't have my family, I don't have a house, I don't have a car, all I've got is a microphone and my suitcase. But you know what happened? The glory of God fell on the church. 
the two pastors who were brothers got so filled with the Holy Ghost, one got stuck on a wall, spread eagled on a wall. They couldn't prize him off. They tried to pull him off. He wouldn't come off. And the other brother was on the other wall. So he got these pastors like this on the wall, stuck. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And I'm trying to pretend that this was normal in my ministry. Because <laughs> the next season you don't always have a handle on yet. To make a long story short, in three weeks, I sent airfare back to Kathy to bring her and the boys over, and, and I paid 13500 for a second-hand Dodge Caravan cash. But I started with $150 into my next season. Don't worry about how God's going to finance it. And I've had the time of my life for 25 years in this season. Don't be afraid of the change. Don't be afraid of where you're going because where you're going is better than where you are now. Hallelujah. 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 It is better through there than staying here for God's sake. Glory to God. My God, that next season's going to be powerful. It's just to get your sorry hind in. Into there's going to be a problem. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.